Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning we hear again what the kingdom of God is like. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a king who throws a lavish wedding feast for his son. And this king, he sends out his servants with invitations to this very royal celebration. But surprisingly, sadly, they refuse to come. But the king will not give up. He sends out even more servants with more invitations. And this time the king sends out his servants saying something along the lines of what Isaiah said in our first reading this morning. Come, they say, delight yourselves in rich food and good drink. Everything is ready, so come to the wedding feast. Who would consider declining an invitation like that? But again, sadly, that kind and gracious invitation is spurned. It's ignored, and folks go right back to their work. Then things, they take a turn. And the situation goes from sad to just plain insane. Because some of those servants of the king, those messengers, bringing those invitations, were not just ignored, but they were even attacked and brutally treated and even killed. But amazingly, as insulting as that must have been for the king, he was still determined on having that wedding hall just filled with guests. Go out to the streets, he says, and just invite to the wedding feast as many as you can grab and find. And that's just what happened. He sent more servants to invite all who would come, the good and the bad and the ugly. That call and that invitation went out until the wedding hall was filled with guests and the table is set. And all are there. That's our gospel this morning. Again, this morning we hear what the kingdom of God is like. Like a king who throws a wedding feast for his son. And in that parable, just so no one is left behind here, the king throwing the feast is God the Father. The son whose wedding party it is, well, that's Jesus, the king's son. The servants who are sent out, they are the prophets and the apostles and evangelists of the church. The pastors, too. All just the king's servants, the messengers, who through their preaching invite the whole world to come to that very wedding feast, the wedding feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. It's all what we look forward to in heaven and in the blessed life of the world to come. But it's also what we enjoy every single Sunday, without exception. Every single Sunday, every divine service, whenever we gather we celebrate a very royal wedding and a very royal feast. The Lord's Supper and the gathering together of all of God's people. It's a celebration of all who are in Christ Jesus. It's a marriage and a wedding. 
You see, the whole human race has been redeemed and reconciled with God through Christ, who by his innocence and suffering and death has won for us righteousness, which avails before God and gives eternal life. And this victory is bestowed upon us, given through God's word and his sacraments, which create and sustain faith in the heart, trust in all that Christ our Lord has done for us. And so we are justified and declared righteous before God in heaven by Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross for us. That's where he took away all of our sins. And in exchange, gives to us his very own righteousness, his holiness, and all that we need. And then he sanctifies us. He makes us holy, washes us clean in baptism. He preserves us in the true faith and promises protection from the devil and comfort when we find ourselves under the cross and in times of temptation. Finally, he promises that he will come again and take us to himself in heaven, that he will raise up these bodies to eternal life, to enjoy fellowship with him and with all the saints in life. Dear friends, these are glorious promises of God, our King. And this is the life to which God invites us all. So how foolish, how insane really, to refuse an offer like that. The invitation to a life of forgiveness and resurrection and life with God. Because there is no life apart from him. No love and joy apart from this king. Now, for those who stubbornly refused this invitation and the messenger whom he sent, our parable is quite clear on what became of them. God sent his troops and armies and utterly destroyed them. They had rejected the king's invitation. And that means that they rejected the king's son. And therefore the Father as well. Our Lord is teaching us that those who reject the invitation, the preaching of the gospel, and the messengers who bring it, it all goes right up the line to a rejection of God himself and the love of the Holy Trinity. What should come through today is the absurdity, really, the total insanity of rejecting the invitation of God's grace his love and forgiveness. And we should all know that that contempt for the word and the rejection of God's grace is no fault in God's calling, but lies solely in the perverse will of man who refuses God and the very means by which God works to bring us into his kingdom. But what should really strike us as the most absurd in our parable is the absurdity of the love of God. Because his love is a love that is so unreasonable and so wonderful. His invitation, his embrace goes out to all, regardless of any qualification and based solely on the merit and work 
of Christ. What should come through so clearly is that God is so patient toward us all that call those invitations, they continue to go out. God not wanting any to perish, but that all should reach repentance and enjoy life and fellowship with Him. Now the ending of today's parable has puzzled so many because the king comes in to look at his guests and there's a man there who has no wedding garment and he's violently cast out of the banquet. The man had rejected the wedding garment that the king himself had graciously offered to all of his guests for the party and celebration. The man thought he could belly up to the table just the way he was, in his own filthy rags, in his old life, that is, without repentance, without faith, and trusting in his own works. But what a deadly mistake that man made, because he was cast out where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. What that man lacked was repentance and faith in Christ. He wanted to come in his rags, rather than being dressed up by another. But you see, it's exactly being dressed up by another that we need. To be dressed by Christ in baptism. The Apostle Paul, he reminds us that there's actually a very strict dress code in heaven. As many of you as were baptized into Christ, he writes, have clothed yourselves with Christ. That is, we quite literally put on Christ in our baptisms. We are clothed in his righteousness, meaning that we have been given a new identity in Christ, meaning we are no longer defined by our sin, but by God's righteousness. And when we wear Jesus Christ, we proclaim him as our Lord and God. You see, when we come before the king, and when we enter into his presence, we dare come only in the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, put off the old self, writes the apostle, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, putting on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the repentance and faith that the stubborn man just refused to wear. You see, in the kingdom of God, with this king, there is a strict dress code for this wedding and this supper. We come dressed in the mercy and grace of God, or dare not come at all. And when we come to the wedding feast this morning, we don't belly up to the table insisting on our rags of self-righteous attitudes. But instead we say, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me.
And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we enter all into this wedding hall and we come to the supper remembering our baptisms when that mantle of grace was first placed upon us. And we hear today in the words of absolution that you are called and chosen and accepted by God. You should all remember that God wants you here, that through his forgiving blood, you belong here. Your sins have been washed away. You have been clothed with the very righteousness of Christ, and God, he welcomes you, and God likes you. So come to the feast. The table is ready, the feast is prepared, and delight yourselves in the rich food of this sacrament. It is a feast that strengthens you and holy blood that sanctifies you. And the really good news this morning is that when the king comes to visit his guests, even today when he looks at you in the divine service, this king likes what he sees. Repentant sinners at the altar, cleansed by the blood of Christ, honoring him with the royal dress and white robes of his salvation that he has given you all to wear. And then you are called to remember that you're no mere guest here either, but his beloved, his bride, the church, and the apple of his eye. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.